Wine Witch, podcaster, pairing food and wine, and all it takes is one sip. You're on the road with Chuck Kramer, Mr. California Wine. I live in London, selling cases of damn good California wine across Europe for the Tolado family. And this podcast is about California, the Golden State, my home state, and its awesome wines. This week, I'm chatting with the wine podcaster, author, and drinks writer. Every week, we're going to have some fun and ultimately improve your booze. When I was thinking about the storyline for this week's episode, the nursery rhyme, butcher, baker, and candlestick maker popped into my head. And while my guest this week isn't involved in any of these professions, she possesses her own unique skill sets. She is a celebrated author, food and wine pairing expert, and a podcaster. My guest has written two wine books, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass, and Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines. The second book is an extremely useful tool for all wine lovers who want to discover the best wines that money can offer. And what's so cool about my guest this week is that she not only writes about wine, she actually lives it. Her style of writing is immersive, having worked in various roles in the wine trade. Recently, she's thrown herself into writing a new book, a memoir that peels away at layers of her life and offers the reader a behind-the-scenes insight into her life during a very tumultuous and sometimes painful, yet eventually rewarding slice of her life in 2012. This new book, Wine Witch on Fire, Rising from the Ashes of Divorce, Defamation, and Drinking Too Much, will be available for purchase next year, May 2023. And while you're waiting for this new book to be released, check out her fun and entertaining podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk. My guest shares her knowledge of wine, pairing food and wine while chatting with wine experts. Hey, I can't leave a fellow podcaster waiting any longer. I need to get back on the road. So buckle up. Here we go. On the road. A quick word from the buyer. The buyer.net is your connection to the premium on trade. The buyer.net is your on trade platform linking key industry leaders, influencers, producers, and suppliers in order to improve reach and awareness in the UK hospitality sector. My guest this week is the celebrated author of two wine books, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass, and Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines. She's currently working on her third book, a personal memoir, and her journey in the world of wine, titled Wine Witch on Fire, rising from the ashes of divorce, defamation, and drinking too much. She's been named world's best drink writer at the World Food Media Awards and has one kick-ass website for food and wine lovers, natalymcclain.com. And let me be super clear. My guest this week is anything but a wine witch. She's a fun person, and super knowledgeable when it comes to wine. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. And my guest this week is Natalie McLean, author, wine expert, and host of her own podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk with Natalie McLean. (laughs) 
Natalie, great seeing you again, and thanks for being on the road with me this week. It's great to be on the road, back on the road with you, Chuck. Uh, Looking yeah, forward to uh, where we're going to travel today, conversationally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I had a lot of fun on when uh, you had me on your uh, podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk, and that was um, that was a lot of fun. I have to tell you, and I really enjoyed. I wanted to tell you while we're chatting here, uh, Kareth Overstreet. You had her on yes. for a couple episodes. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Zinfandel and she switched on and, uh, yeah, I got a kick out of that episode. It's, you know, it sounded like you guys had a great chat. We did. She was a great guest. Of course, you, you know her backstory as well, but she was formerly a medical doctor and then came into winemaking late in life. But so she has this fascinating intersection between two very different careers. Very bright woman, great stories. Um, just like you, uh, just like you, Chuck, you told some really excellent stories. I'm always looking for that. So I'm glad you enjoyed our chat with her. Well, she was a great uh, guest. So let's dive straight in, uh, Natalie. Take me back. Was there one, was there a one wild wine moment that really got you hooked into wine or were you inspired by somebody? Uh, I'd say it was a wine, although the somebody I was with was inspiring as well. Okay. Um, so uh, my husband and I were at a, an Italian restaurant. We were very young. We had just graduated from the MBA together. And um, we went to this small bistro and the server said, would you like a Brunello? And we thought it was a pasta dish. So we thought, sure, we'll have the Brunello. And uh, he brought it and poured it into tumblers, none of the fancy sniffing and sipping. It was just, um, it was this, all I remember is this sort of cloud of aromas sort of rushed out of the glass to meet me. And I thought, whoa, what's this? I don't know how to describe it, but it smells amazing. And then I had a taste of it. And it was like, unlike anything I'd ever tried, because I really wasn't into wine or any alcohol. But the way this made me feel... It was like kind of like a, a sigh at the end of a day and then this hedonistic rush of, well, I couldn't put aromas to it then, but today I would, you know, say wild truffles and violets and blackberries. But it went beautifully with the uh, the pasta dish, which was not a Brunello. Um, and I just, that made me think I need to find a way to figure out how to describe this, to talk about it so that I can keep having this experience again and again. Yeah, I love a good Brunello. I mean, you're in mm. Tuscany, right? You're in an Italian restaurant, but, you know, I love Italian uh, wines. So this moment, so then after that, how did the story behind the Natalie McLean brand develop? Was it because of that one sip sure. of Brunello? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that got me intrigued with wine in general. Um, at the time, I was working for a supercomputer company that was headquartered in Mountain View, California, so some California roots in my background as well. Uh, now, I was um, based in Canada, but I would go down every quarter, sometimes more frequently, to the head office for meetings. And gradually, I started arranging them on Thursdays and Fridays so that I would stay the weekend and drive up to Napa or Sonoma and spend the weekend there, just going from winery tasting room to winery tasting room. I just had so much fun. But I still wasn't thinking of a career in wine, let alone writing about it. Um, but then that that led to taking a sommelier program at a local college at night just for fun. And I completed uh, the certificate program. And then it wasn't until I was on maternity leave that I thought, well, you know, I want to kind of keep my brain engaged. Maybe I could write about wine on the Internet because I knew now something about wine and something about technology, put them together. 
I pitched a local magazine on the story. That was actually news back then. Wine on the Internet. You can see it's back in the Paleolithic days. Um, but they took it, and that became a regular column. And I didn't go back to my high-tech job after maternity leave was finished. Did this start out as like a, a hobby? But, yes. And were, you, were, you, were you writing then while you're still working? And then after maternity leave, you just said, I need a career change and went into yeah. wine. Exactly. So, you know, I wrote this column while I was on mat leave and, uh, I, that led, that gave me the confidence to cold call other publications, newspapers and magazines. I didn't know anybody, uh, in the wine world or the writing world. And I just started getting assignments. And so in Canada, we have a generous maternity leave program. Um, and I hadn't taken any vacation being a type A personality. <laughs> and so I had a year off, um, of paid leave. And so by the time that was finished, I had enough columns to, to decide along with my husband that I was going to try to make a go of this full time and not go back to tech. Well, that's a massive leap. I mean, it's just a, a massive, like you turn going off into a different, uh, direction there. I mean, obviously it, it, it paid off. So. What came first? Was it the books, being a TV personality? Obviously, you're writing these columns to start. But how did your story evolve after writing these this column? So that continued. Um, but because I came from a high-tech background, I early on, I had a website. Uh, this is back in 2000. And mobile apps as well. I still have mobile apps and the site, of course, uh, that scan barcodes and a front label optical reader. So I was into the technology because I thought there's a great fit here between technology and wine. As, as you know, Chuck, you can take a deep dive into wine. There's just so much information. It's um, amazing, scary, uh, but also intoxicating in and of itself, learning about wine. But the technology can make it more accessible. Um, and we have a lot more tools today than we did back then. So what for, came first was the that first column in print, but I soon got into the online tools, and the magazine columns eventually led to a book deal with Random House, Penguin Random House it's now called. And then it was only while I was on book tour uh, promoting the first one that I sort of met all these people at different TV stations, and they after – that those initial interviews, a number of them asked me to come back again as a regular guest expert on their show to talk about wine in general. What's a time frame? You know, take me through that timeline. I mean, writing books, it takes a while to write and then to publish. So are we talking a couple of years here um, <laughs> well, during this yeah, period of time? Good question, Chuck, because when I first went to, I went with my agent to New York where, you know, New York City is the hive of publishing, all the big publishers are there. And so one of the publishers, uh, the editor asked me, how long did it take you to write this book? And I said, well, all my life. But he understood that all of me Got was it. in it. Um, but really the timeline was um, sort of, uh, my son was born in 1999. So it kind of started with the articles, website 2000. Uh, it was 2004. Um, I'd actually been approached by an editor at Penguin, uh, that was when it was separate from Random House, who had noticed I'd won some awards, some James Beard awards. So she said, well, have you ever thought of writing a book? And I thought, nope. <laughs> and then I backed out of that and thought, well, what is, um, or backed up, I should say, what is the process? And the process really is getting an agent and then letting your agent guide the process and go to all the different publishers and hopefully get bids, which we did. 
and then decide on the publisher. So once the 2004 that was signed as a contract, um, the book came out in 2006. The next book came out in 2007. The paperback in 2011. So that was uh, the timeline for those first two books. Okay, so let's talk about these two books. Okay, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass. And in the second book, Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines. Obviously, you're a creative person. How do you come yeah. up with these titles? How do you come up with these titles? Because obviously, you have to come up with a different spin. There's a lot of wine books out there to make yours stand out. Um, sure. How did this happen? Well, uh, Red, White, and Drunk All Over was actually a title, uh, an informal title that the designer of the book cover gave my first book. He said, oh, you mean that book, uh, What's Red and White and Drunk All Over? It was an insider joke inside the publisher. And then my editor said, wait, let's use that, but let's shorten it. Red, white, and drunk all over. Um, and at first I was kind of horrified because <laughs> I thought, what are people going to think? Drunk Catchy. all over. Yeah. But, you know, uh, my approach was conversational, still is. Um, I do love incorporating humor where I can into my stories. And we thought, you know what? Let's take a chance because what you do need, and you just alluded to this, Chuck, is there are a lot of wine books you need to stand out on the shelf, on the, uh, whether it's the shelf in a physical store or online with online retailers. And the biggest job a title and the book cover design can do is to, to stop a customer and say, hey, wait, what? And it's probably like this with labels. What is that? I need to at least pick up the book or the bottle and investigate further. That's the job of the title. Um, there's a part of our brain called BRCA. It's uh, right behind the executive brain, the frontal cortex, that ciphers out things we don't need to pay attention to, to things we do. And when you have that, wait, what kind of moment, that is what you want. You want to bypass Braca that wants to get rid of all daily distractions, send it to the executive brain that says, I need to find out more. So that's the the answer to the titles. But you asked uh, kind of what they're about I really also tried to take a different approach with the books themselves, the content. Um, I'm a real big fan of uh, the new journalists. They're not so new anymore, but Truman Capote, Norman Mailer, Joan Didion. They were very immersive. So they did what they wrote about. Instead of just interviewing someone, they actually did the thing. So George Plimpton was another one, and he played in the NFL. Yeah, he played uh, for the Detroit Lions. At there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So instead of just interviewing from the bleachers, he did the thing. And by doing the thing, I think got a richer, deeper, more evocative story. So the way I applied that to wine is um, I went and worked the harvest with Randall Graham at Bonnie Dune in California and uh, helped pick grapes, all the rest of it uh, for several days. I worked in a wine store in San Francisco. Uh, it was called the Jug Shop. I'm not sure if it's still there. Um, don't know if you know, Chuck, but... No. Uh, and then I also um, did other things like worked as a sommelier for an evening. But and <laughs> that was probably the lowest low of my wine writing is, or experiences was I worked in a five diamond French restaurant. So I don't know. My French is rusty, rusty, but I ended up looking like an undertaker in a dark suit and I was shadowing the sommelier. But then I had to do it on my own and I spilt some wine and made some other mistakes. But in the end, it was great experience because, you know, I got to dig into it in a more richly, deeper way, incorporate some humor and, and, and so on. 
and gives you a different view, a different angle as well. Because now you're exp- you're experiencing this, and you're writing from the uh, uh, the heart, which I guess helps to engage with the audience more, right? Exactly. Because I think when people read, they want to vicariously experience something through you. Um, you know, if they can't be there, how would it feel? What kind of questions would you ask? What kind of things would you learn? And so I think it is a more immersive experience for the reader as well. Okay. Yeah. So you're taking red, white and drunk all over. You're taking them on this journey, your journey. And what about Unquenchable? Unquenchable um, followed a similar format, but the goal for Unquenchable was to search out undervalued wines, bargains, if you will, um, gems that are undiscovered around the world. So I went to regions like Sicily. Um, so as you know, Tuscany and Piedmont in the north of Italy are very expensive. But if you go south in a lot of regions, you're going to get great values. In France, Bordeaux and Burgundy are expensive, but go down to the Languedoc or even Provence, you'll get some deals. And in California too, Napa and Sonoma have a deserved, you know, kind of top-notch reputation. But I think you'll find some really excellent values if you go south a bit, say into Paso Robles. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to ask you then, what surprised you the most on this journey then through California in terms of like, you know, undervalued or, you know, great value for quality, great quality for value or great money for value, whatever wines. Sure. What, what was the most surprising in terms of area? Just the, the diversity. Like this is when I first started approaching California, you know, we have this sort of monolith image of California. Some people do the golden States, beautiful, uh, warm, sunny beaches, but there are such there is such diversity in regions and styles and clim- microclimates. I mean, I was thrilled to really um, dig into the cooler areas like Sonoma and Monterey and Carneros because I'm a Pinot fan. I just that's my go to wine. So I was discovering these pockets of of wines that were spectacular and they were nothing like the warmer, richer styles of, of warmer regions. But California does have an incredible range of wines, um, and it's it deserves more attention to th- those sub-regions. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know, yeah, California does do Pinot extremely well. It does get hot, but like you said, you got vineyards close to the ocean, planted high up. Yeah, they do, they do Pinot really well. So tell me about, we've got a special offer coming from you, a very generous offer, Tell us about your special offer to uh, to our listeners. Oh, thanks for teeing it up, Chuck. <laughs> um, I'm offering my ultimate free guide to pairing wine and food for anybody listening. And you can find that at nataliemclean.com forward slash CA wine for listeners of this podcast. So uh, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-M-A-C-L-E-A-N.com, nataliemclean.com forward slash CA wine. And I think you're going to, include that in the show notes too, Chuck, if people can't uh, remember that. That's correct. Um, yes. Cool. So it, of all your listeners or any listeners who download that ultimate guide to food and wine pairing, I'm going to pick uh, two winners to win personally signed copies of my books. So fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, wherever they live, it does, it's not limited to uh, a certain region or country. Okay. Well, that's a very generous offer. Just go into the website there, nat- Um, And then you have an opportunity 
to win these two books, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, and your second book, Unquenchable, correct? Exactly. So there'll be two winners winning two books. That's great. Please go into the website. And again, so now we're going to keep talking about books for a little bit. Uh, now you're working on a, on a third book, and it's different to what you've written before. So how different? And do you have a title? What can you share with us about this new book? Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a right turn from my other books. It's very different. So it's a memoir as opposed to sort of the travel-based books that I uh, were the first two. And the title is Wine Witch on Fire. Subtitle, Rise. Uh, oh, Wine, Wine Witch. Wine Witch, Witch As on in cattle. Fire. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> Wine Witch on Fire, and the subtitle is Rising from the Ashes of Divorce, Defamation, and Drinking Too Much. So um, it's not a downer. <laughs> There's still humor, but it is it is much more serious in parts. It's my personal experience inside the wine industry uh, for one year. It's a slice of life, uh, 2012. And, um, you know, it's just... Uh, I, I, I liken it to the difference, the difference between this book and the first two. They're both first person accounts, but it's the difference between going to a job interview and being on a date. You're still asking questions, exploring, but this is so much more personal. And I think what readers will enjoy is a behind the scenes look at the wine industry, but also wine marketing. What goes on behind the, you know, the wines that you buy? Um, and of course, memoir is a different animal altogether. It's it's like living your life twice. And what I'm really trying to do with it is, again, have readers find themselves in some of my experiences, maybe not doing the exact same thing because a, a wine career is different from a lot of others, but the feelings, the the reflections, the the uh, journey that I take. And if if you don't mind, Chuck, I'll, uh, I think the easiest way to summarize it is to read you the the blurb that'll be on the back cover that the the publisher came up with. I think that might summarize it best. Go if for it. Mind. All right. I feel like I should be reading this like in one of those movie trailer voices, like in a world <laughs> where whatever, but I won't. All right. So here's what they wrote. Natalie McLean, a best-selling wine writer, is shocked when her husband of 20 years, a high-powered CEO, demands a divorce. Then an online mob of rivals comes for her career. Wavering between despair and determination, she must fight for her son, rebuild her career, and salvage her self-worth using her superpowers, heart, humor, and an uncanny ability to pair food and wine. Natalie questions her insider role in the slick marketing that encourages women to drink too much while she battles the wine world's veiled misogyny. Facing the worst vintage of her life, she reconnects with the vineyards that once brought her joy, the friends who sustain her, and her own belief in second chances. This is a true coming of middle age story about transforming your life and finding love along the way. Wow, there's a lot going on in this book. <laughs> I mean, you're given a you know an insider into the wine industry, but also um, you're given snippets of what's going on in, on in your life, like you said during that slice of your life or slice of that one year. So what stage are you at with this book? Well, right now um, I'm in the editing. So I have a publisher and um, it's been through several edits, but it's still in the editing stage. And I am actually still looking for beta readers. Those would be um, readers who are not 
editing experts or wine experts, although you can be. But if any listeners would like to get a sneak peek at the manuscript and give me their feedback on the book, just how it hits them, again, no expertise required, um, they should feel free to contact me, natalie at nataliemclean.com. And, um, but that's the stage I'm at. So I was still sort of in, in the editing stage. Um, we've just come up with cover concepts. The whole publishing process is a long game, especially with labor and paper shortages. Uh, the publishing date is actually May 9th, 2023. Okay. So yeah, but, um, we've got some, We've got a concept for the cover that I'm really jazzed about. I think it's going to bring it all together. But again, if you're interested in getting a sneak peek, please let me know. What and what triggered this right turn to write this book? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was struggling with what I was going to write next as a third book, you know, and I didn't want a rehashed recipe of the first two, even though I, I still stand by them and people still enjoy them, but I wanted to do something different. I didn't want it. I didn't want this year to happen in 2012 to be that different take. Uh, but it just, it, um, if you will, got gifted to me, um, on a molten hot platter. So it, it's been 10 years, you know, yeah. since everything happened. And that is the necessary time I needed. And most memoirists do to really process what happened, to make sense of it, and to share kind of the learning and reflections with a reader because someone doesn't want to just read about your hot mess. <laughs> they want to learn how you dealt with these things. And overcame. Again, exactly. Yeah. You know, they might be going through divorce. They might feel it like they're drinking a little too much. Defamation is a bit more obscure, but still, if you've ever, you know, watched anyone get canceled online, uh, this is a good uh, case study, if you will. Um, so, you know, it all came together. And the uh, one of my favorite memoirists, Glennon Doyle, said, um, don't write from an open wound, write from a scar. And uh, another one, another line that she had was, you know, why bother? You know, it's done. It's gone. Why resurrect this thing? Um, and it's because someone right now somewhere might have a wound that's in the exact shape of your words. And a beta reader sent back to me the other day, the most moving message of my life. And it was that, um, she had lost her, her son during COVID who took his own life Ouch. and she, yeah. And she had started drinking too much and reading my book was one of the steps she took to get back on track. I mean, it, this is not a self-help book, but that just moved me to like, that's I'm saving that email forever. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, if you can help somebody, that's great. But also it sounds like, you know, you're writing these memoirs. 2012 is a tough year, but it is, I guess, as you're, you're writing this and going through this, it is self therapy, right? I mean, it's it helping you, it's helping you heal as well. Heal that open wound, right? You need some Absolutely. Closure. Yeah. And like for me as an introvert, I write to kind of make sense of the world. It's not till I get it down onto paper or on the screen that I figure out, okay, that's what I think, or that's what was happening. I mean, there were pieces of what happened during that year that I had totally blocked out. Um, you know, at the time I was, you know, taking screenshots on my lawyer's advice, saving everything. And I went back to that folder years later and, and didn't realize just 
how much I just totally erased from my working memory. But then it all came back, of course, and it was very healing to put it all together. So what was, as you're writing, as you, as you were writing this book, what was your highest high and what was your lowest low? Well, the highest high would be that email that I received recently from that woman. And, Say, and you're just, helping somebody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that's what memoir is, is it's, a, it's a, an extended hand to somebody else. I mean, you, you kind of deal with your own stuff, but then that's not enough. It's you put it out into the world for a reason. And, and that reason is a reader who might need to hear the story. So that'd be the high, highest high for sure. Lowest low was having to relive some of that. It, you know, memoir is living your life twice and some going pain. back to some of that. Yeah. And just like my, <laughs> my breathing became short as I read some, some things, but that's part of the process too. So it all, it all comes together in the end. Well, if a, if, if a book title is going to engage, it's going to be this one, Wine Witch on Fire. And then what's the, uh, give me the full title again, Wine Witch on sure. Fire. And That's the title. The subtitle is Rising from the Ashes of Divorce, Defamation, and Drinking Too Much. Well, you're going to uh, connect with a lot of people. <laughs> I hope so. I, I, see, I, see this book's, I see this book as being very uh, successful. So good Thank luck you, with Chuck. that. And that uh, look forward to that when it comes out in May, 2023. I want to thank Natalie for being on the road with me this week. I'm currently a beta reader for her new book, Wine Witch on Fire, rising from the ashes of divorce, defamation, and drinking too much. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I'm confident that Natalie will have another huge hit on her hands when her book is released in May of next year. In addition, I want to thank Natalie for interviewing me on her podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk with Natalie McLean. We had a lot of fun. That episode hasn't gone live yet, so watch out for it when it airs. Natalie is a generous host, and for podcasters, it's the fastest way to grow one's own podcast by being the guest on someone else's show. Remember to go to nataliemcclain.com and download her Ultimate Food and Wine Pairing Guide. Each person who downloads this fabulous food and wine pairing tool has an opportunity to win two signed copies of Natalie's books, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass, and Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines. There will be two lucky winners. Don't forget to tune into part two of my chat with Natalie McClain next week. Yep, I'm leaving you all hanging once again. Now it's time for Wine of the Week. And my pick this week is the beautiful 2018 Chimney Rock Cabernet Sauvignon from the Stags Leap District in Napa. Elizabeth Viana is the winemaker, and she continues to craft powerful and elegant Cabernet Sauvignons. And when I say craft, make no mistake, there is no witchcraft involved. This gorgeous cab is drinking wonderfully now, yet will sell her easily for another 10 to 15 years. Chimney Rock is part of the Terlato Wines portfolio and is available across the United States. In Europe, Chimney Rock is sold in Denmark and Romania. In the United Kingdom, Helgarten Wines is the exclusive distributor of Chimney Rock Wines. And all it takes is one sip to fall in love with the Chimney Rock Cab. 
And I have some wine trivia for you. Who knows? This may come in handy at your next pub trivia night, or if you happen to be a contestant on Jeopardy. Did you know that it takes about 200 grapes or two and a half pounds of grapes to make one bottle of wine? And which wine was used to toast the signing of the Declaration of Independence and George Washington's inauguration? If you answered a California cab, sorry, you lose. It was a bottle of Madeira. Madeira is a fortified wine. Finally, legend has it that Winston Churchill drank 42,000 bottles of Paul Rosé champagne in his lifetime. That must have been one hell of a bar tab. Thank you for being on the road with me this week. And I hope you enjoyed our chat with Natalie McLean. Before I go, I want to give a shout out to sisters Michelle and Sandy of Wines to Find Podcast for introducing me to Natalie. Thanks, guys. And I'll be back next week on the road, catching up with Natalie McLean for part two of our conversation. If we can't hop on a flight to California, I'll bring California to you. It would be so awesome if you would share this podcast with your friends. See you next week on the road with Mr. California Wine. Take it easy.